as I share your your um, share your word with these folks that that I would be faithful to what uh, what you have to say and what the scriptures say and I pray Lord that um, that the folks who are here that they would hear from you that they would they would hear what um, what your what your glorious word has to say and, and that they would find um, places to apply it that it would fit into their hearts into their minds into their lives in Jesus name Amen. We are um, in the third sermon on Deborah, this will be the last one, um, but it's a chunk. It's a chapter, and we're going to be doing this one a little differently, and it's Michael's fault. So, like, if you don't like it, his fault. Um, I, I did a sermon on Psalms a few months ago, and uh, Michael uh, accused me of English teaching it. Um, instead of treating it like a song, I treated it like an English teacher would teach a, you know, a poem, like taking all the joy out of it and boiling it down to these, you know, structures and these ideas and everything else. And so I, uh, I, in response to what may be valid criticism, I'll leave it up to you all to decide. Um, feel free to punch him in the parking lot on the way out. <laughs> um, no, don't do that. Um, just key his car. Um, <laughs> so, so we're going to be doing this in a little differently. It is a song, a very long song, and, and we're going to do it in chunks. Um, um, but I actually, as an introduction, I, I kind of, I wanted to do a, uh, do a game. Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right. Jess and I had some disagreement about how to do this properly. I'm going to do it the high tech way. Um, we're going to do some name that tune. You guys can do this, right? And what I want you to do is tell me what is it from. Got it? All right. Nope. Superman. The old Superman. Do you guys, how many of y'all hear this and are like, oh, I remember that. I remember Christopher Reeves, who was the best Superman. You're too young. That's why you don't know what it is. (laughs) This came out when you were not born yet. And that's the problem. Um, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> but you're, you're officially welcome here if I'm making fun of you. Uh, <laughs> well, hold on. Maybe I get another one that'll... Uh, let's do this one. Oh, before the thing even started. How many of y'all can picture Clint Eastwood? And... <laughs> And Lee Van Cleet, right? And, yep. And, and that great scene with the cannon is one of my favorite movies. Y'all, y'all know that movie, right? I mean, this is a ranching town. Everybody's seen that movie a hundred times. Um, I couldn't find any John Wayne scores, or I would have, but Rose knew it, so there you are. Uh, let's try this one. Um, let's see if I can find it. Where'd it go? Oh, there it is. <laughs> yes, it's from The Empire Strikes Back. This is where I marched down the aisle to at our wedding. And, and um, as, as a result, uh, it's actually, I'm serious. That, that's actually my ringtone when Jess calls me. The, <laughs> and people will look at me and say, you know, that's not very respectful. I say, oh, no, it reminds me of our wedding day. <laughs> you know, how much humor I built into that one decision. That is the gift that keeps on giving right there. <laughs> uh, we'll do one more. And I actually picked this one because I thought Larry would be here, and I, I knew. 
<laughs> but James has seen this movie dozens of times, right? What is it? Titanic. Um, and what's the iconic scene from that? Yeah, I'll never let... No, I think it's actually where he's bobbing in the water next to the door. <laughs> uh, hate that movie. Um, <laughs> but I, it's one of Larry's favorites. What? Yes, yes, I have. I, <laughs> I'll own it. Um, anyway, <laughs> it was back back before I became sanctified and I stopped watching stuff like that. <laughs> um, all right, so the, the reason I started with this, and, and there's a reason to this. It wasn't just so that I could do something silly, although that may have been part of it. Um, music, like, music has an enormous effect on us as people, right? Um, how many of you all have songs that are special to you? Like, our song. This is our song. I, I was actually going to start out with that, and I asked Brooke and Renee the other day. I'm like, well, what's your song? Like, what's something that's a really, you know, your song? And it was, Brooke? <laughs> it's a foreigner song. Um, and I, 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 he's turning red, so I'm going to let him go. Um, <laughs> he said it, and I turned red. And I said, well, if your daughter was going to be in church, I'd definitely talk about that. Um, but she's not here, so. Um, so, <laughs> but we have these songs. Like, like music plays this huge role in our lives. And, and um, it, it's not unusual to find music or find um, tunes or what have you that draw out, like, memories of exciting moments for you, right? Or special times or sad things that happen or people that you love that are missing, right, or gone or whatever, or people that you haven't seen in years. I had a... A young man named Dan who, who hated God when I met him, just hated God. I spent like four years working with this kid at the home. And uh, like two years in, I gave him a copy of uh, Johnny Cash singing old hymns. And I remember I took him home for Thanksgiving one year, and I was driving him back, and he had his headphones on. And he was singing along with uh, I'll Fly Away, like Johnny Cash singing I'll Fly Away. And so every time I hear I, I'll Fly Away, I think about Dan. You know, this is because it, it reminds me of, like, like the things that God did in this kid's life over the years that I knew him, right? And that's, that's, um, that's amazing. And in the Old Testament, what we find, actually, throughout the scriptures, music plays this huge role. And I think it's because music is sort of this inherently spiritual thing, right? Like, it is designed to speak to this deep part of us. And it's designed to, like, like elicit emotion. Like, that is how God made us. And that's one of the great gifts that God gave us in this world. Am I, am I on track, guys? Okay. So we have um, the book of Judges, uh, the story of Deborah. The second half of the story is a song. It's about 31 verses. Um, not verses, like verses in lines, not like verses in choruses. Um, it was a pun. Come on. <laughs> it was a music pun, too. Um, a little background before we dive into this song. Um, the book of Judges, like, is, again, is a history book, um, and, and through the course of the book, there's a theme that takes place where these various folks who are leaders of Israel and deliver the nation in time of difficulty, um, they start out fantastic with Othniel, and then as they go, each judge is progressively crummier, right? Except for Deborah, who's awesome. Except that Deborah isn't really the focus of the story, um, it's... Uh, the other fella whose name escapes me at the moment because I'm up here talking now, um, Barack. 
And the story, you know, and Barak's this terrible judge. He needs a woman to fight for him. And he, like, he's unwilling to go and do what God wants because he's afraid and everything else. Like, so we, we have this, this theme. And so it's this downward slide. But right in the middle, we have this song that commemorates what God does for these people. And ultimately, like, the, the, with this decline, the overarching theme is that God delivers his people over and over again. Right? Sometimes we're tempted to think of great men who accomplish great things, but ultimately God delivers folks or he doesn't. Right? And he uses great men or he doesn't, you know, or, or he sometimes acts despite great men or despite not so great men. Does that make sense? Um, Alright, so Deborah um, was a prophet and she was a judge and she called out Barak and Barak comes and she says, alright, well go beat this Cesara guy. He is big and he's bad and he's oppressing the nation and it's your job to kill him. And Barak says, nope, I don't think that's a great idea. Not sure I can beat this guy. The, the Jewish people were terrified of Caesarea. There are legends about him, like swimming and catching fish in his beard because he was so big and strong and awesome. And they were just terrified of this guy. And he didn't want to fight him. He says, I'll tell you what, Deborah, if you go fight with me, I'll go. And so Deborah says, fine, I'll go, but you're getting no glory for this battle. Like, you don't get credit. You're going to get passed over. And, and he does. And he doesn't actually get to kill Caesarea himself. If he had been able to do that, it would have been a huge, like, notch in his credibility like like column but he didn't get to do it a gal named yale does it she nails him to the floor of her tent with a tent stake right which is an important lesson don't take your wives camping Uh, or if you do sleep in a separate tent Um, (laughs) um so this particular song is like very typical for Hebrew songs. Like it fits a Hebrew poetry styles, but it's very loose. Um, and, and it would have been a very common thing for Jewish people to gather together and to sing as a community, right? And in fact, actually, if you go to a lot of Jewish services, if there's not a synagogue in the area, so maybe that would be hard here. Um, but they sing a lot of their liturgy and a lot of their readings. It's a really typical thing for them to just sing everything they do. And when they would gather, they wouldn't gather to watch TV because TV, like, wasn't very common at the time. They would gather and they would sing and they would dance and they would have these, like, elaborate, huge parties. Um, and in fact, actually, I have a parallel here. Um, I was talking to somebody who told me about Virgil, the ferry, before it's the current ferry, that way back when they would gather on the ferry with a Victrola, wind-up Victrola record player, and they would have dances on the ferry. And everybody, all the farmers, because there's nothing else to do, I guess, um, it was not the time they were planting and not the time that they were, like, harvesting. So there was nothing to do. So they would gather and have dances on the barge um, with this wind-up Victrola record player. Um, I know you guys are super busy, and that's why I'm picking on you. Um, it's all in love. Um, and so, like, the, as we dive into this song, like, understand the Jewish people would have gathered up and they would have sang this song on a regular basis, and it would have been, like, this great memorial of these things that God did, right? Like, and it would have been something that inspired them and made them feel, you know, like the Superman theme comes on and, you know, I can do almost anything. I, I worked, um, I worked in, a, in, a, in an electronics store for a little while, and every morning when they opened, um, the guys who worked in the sound department selling stereos would put on the Rocky theme. Because they were all on commission, so they had to sell as much as they could, and so they would ramp themselves up, you know, and, and I never pointed out that, you know, boxing and fighting is nothing like selling, unless you're doing it wrong. Um, but, but still, it inspired them, and it got them, like, excited to do their jobs, like, all right, let's go out and do this, right? And music can do that to us, can't it? 
Um, so as we dive into this text, we're going to do verses 1 through 3 first here. Um, Deborah, then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang on that day sing, saying that the leaders of Israel, le- excuse me, that the leaders led in Israel, that the people volunteered, bless the Lord. So um, Deborah and Barak, it says that they start this song, but in reality what's probably going on is they've got a great assembly. They've just won this huge battle. They've killed this horrible despot, and they've gathered up, and they're having a celebration with the soldiers and their families and everybody else, and Deborah and Barak lead this song. And everybody starts singing, and they praise God first off. Praise God that people showed up to fight with us, right? Which is no small thing, considering Barak didn't want to do it. You know, he wanted to stay home. Like, that people came out and they fought against this guy that they're terrified of. Um, like, it's a big deal. Um, that the leaders in... Oh, sorry, I just read that one. Hear, O kings, give ear, O rulers. I, to the Lord, I will sing. I will sing praises to the Lord, the God of Israel. We're going to stop there again. Watch this. There's this recurring theme in Jewish music, right? And it starts out in Exodus, right? You guys know the story of Exodus, right? Your Christian Bale goes to Egypt and tells the Pharaoh to let the slave... No, not Christian Bale. He was in that movie, though. Um, Charlton Heston. No, Moses. Uh, (laughs) Moses goes to... Moses delivers God's people from slavery. And like the, one of the messages of the book of Exodus is that God himself fights on his people's behalf. So the people never win a great battle. Instead, God uses the various gods of Egypt to humiliate the Egyptian people. Like they worship the Nile, and so he turns the Nile River into blood. And they can't drink it, and it begins to stink, and they've got no water, and they have to dig new wells. And like it's this horrible occurrence. Or frogs, they worshiped a, a god with the head of a frog because they were last in line on the day they handed out gods um and and so like like this god with the head of a frog like god sends so many frogs that it chokes the nation and like you can't walk down the street without slipping on them and and like they're horrified like get rid of these stupid things and and so like all of the various plagues there are all these things that god is fighting for his people and in the songs about the exodus and in the prophecies about it over and over again it says hey nations of the world god fought on behalf of his people Wake up and notice. And actually, like, it's this thing that it's the point in time that the Jewish people and their God went from being sort of this backwoods religion to taking the world stage where the whole world took notice of Yahweh's actions on their part. Um, and, and, you know, so, like, it's recurring theme. Hey, everybody in the world, pay attention. Our God is awesome. Our God fights on our behalf. Um, now, four and five here. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the field of Edom, the earth quaked and the heavens also dripped. Even the clouds dripped water. Now, there's a couple things that are important to understand in here, like we're translating, right? I, I'm reading a, a book of Shakespeare right now, and because I'm, I'm slow in the head, I can't understand half of it. And so I found a book that has, like, on one side the text, and on the other side, this is what he's saying like the translation, as though I'm reading it in Spanish. Spanish would be easier. Um, <laughs> and I don't speak Spanish. Um, so, like, to translate here, um, basically they're saying, listen, God went out and fought on their behalf. Not God was with our army, right? Not God walked with us, not 
you know, any of those things. It literally is God went out and fought on our behalf. God went out and faced the enemy personally on our behalf. And then even the clouds dripped water. The reason that there's a a uh, phrase here like that says this, and actually the earthquake, the heavens also dripped, and the clouds dripped water. Um, Baal was the god of the weather, right? Like the opposing god, like the god over the, the Canaanites was the god of the weather. And so when God comes out to fight, he's able to draw water out of the sky, right? Because your god isn't as awesome as our god, right? It's sort of... Um, um, there's a, a song uh, that, that came out recently, like it's a parody of marching band music, like sports marching band songs. And the, the whole theme of the song is our team's great and your team's awful. And it's not even like, you know, we're, you know, we're awesome and you guys are really bad over and over again. And that's basically what he's doing here. Our God is so awesome that he marched out to fight for us. And he's so awesome that the clouds, like your God's big thing, like he was able to do it. Um, the Canaanites believed that stars are where rain came from, right? And that's right, but God is what brings rain. And so the heavens also dripped as a reference to this idea that, like, God brought rain and your God can't do it. Everybody with me? So our God beat up your God and, you know, and your God's awful. The mountains quaked at, his present, at the presence of the Lord. This Sinai at the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, the mention of Sinai, they're not in Sinai, right? The Mount Sinai, they're not there. This does not take place really anywhere near there. It's a reference, and the Jewish people hear this, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, Mount Sinai. God delivered us from the desert, and God delivered us from Egypt, and God, you know, like fought on our behalf. This is just like that. So there's big, like, excitement about this. And the Jewish people, when they sing this, they would be inspired, and they would be excited, right? It'd be like... uh like the Wildcats theme song. Is that the right name? Alley Cats? What's the sport team? I know the Grizzlies then. I'm that Bobcats, yeah. Um, <laughs> I I only I only learn the names of important sport teams. Um, <laughs> like when they're when their fight song comes on, like the, the like their fans, like both of them get excited, right? Um, it's sort of the same thing. I mean, this would have been like stirring to them. It, it was the glory days, and the glory days are here again. Even though we're not doing a great job of fighting our enemies, we won today, and we won because God fought for us just like he did in the old days. Um, 6 to 12, this is a big chunk here. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, and in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted, and the travelers went by roundabout ways. So they begin telling the story, and the first thing we learn is... That um, in the days of Shamgar, who was actually a pagan, but we sort of gives us some context, um, nobody traveled. Why would you not travel? Well, because it wasn't safe, right? It was extraordinarily unsafe to travel in the ancient world. That's why they had caravans. Because if you traveled individually, it was pretty likely somebody was going to rob you and leave you on the side of the road dead. Um, and in fact, actually, uh, there's a reference in here. Hold on. That's a... Uh, and the peasantry ceased. They ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose, the mother of Israel. Um, well, we'll get to it in a second. So, like, the, like, business has stopped. Nobody is traveling. They won't travel by main roads. They would avoid waterways is another idea here. Like, they wouldn't go and get water in the desert because it was dangerous. Um, because when you stop for water, you were most likely to get robbed. Um, in fact, there's a, a body of water in Israel that's named Drink and Run. 
Because if you, you know, it would be a great, like, name for a gas station. Um, it, it, because it was dangerous. Like, you wouldn't want to do this. Um, now, mention of Deborah being the mother of Israel, um, it's a big deal. And we'll come back to it in a minute. But um, new gods were chosen. Then war was at the gate, in the gates. Not a shield or a spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. So the Israelites picked new gods, Right? And because they picked new gods, they didn't have peace anymore. War was in the gates. You want war to happen outside your gates. Everybody with me? If they're in your gates, you have a problem. That's right. Your gates no longer are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Hey, you know what? We didn't have any swords. We didn't have any shields because they didn't have any metal workers. So we had nobody armed, and we had 40,000 soldiers, but not a single shield or spear. And war was here, and we couldn't do anything about it, and we were getting beaten over and over again. My heart goes out to the commanders of Israel, the volunteers among the peoples, bless the Lord. And Deborah says, I feel sorry for our generals. I would feel sorry for our generals if we didn't have any weapons. Right? Like if you're going out to fight and you've got rocks and sticks and the other guy has short swords, spears, and shields and stuff, you're going to get beat. Everybody with me? Um, and so like these guys are ill-prepared and Deborah says, I felt bad for our soldiers. Right? I felt bad for our guys. Um, you who ride donkeys... On white donkey, who ride on white donkeys, you who sit on rich carpets, and you who travel on uh, on the road, sing. So he, she says to the leaders, white donkeys would be expensive, rich carpets would be expensive. So you ruling class, um, you should celebrate, you should sing at the sound of the tr- at the sound of those who divide flocks amongst the watering places. There they shall recount the righteous deeds of the Lord, the righteous deeds of his, for his peasantry in Israel. Then the people of the Lord went down to the gates. Now, um, so he says, listen, they're singing about how great God is. They're even doing it at the watering holes. If the watering holes are dangerous, are you going to hang out and sing some songs? Probably not, right? You say, hey, let's organize a sheep while we're here. You know, because they know nobody's coming to get them. They know they're at peace. And so, like, she's saying, listen, now you have peace. Be happy and sing about the fact that you have peace. Like, celebrate what God has done. Um, and they shall recount the righteous deeds of the Lord, they will, the righteous deeds of his peasantry in Israel. And then the people of the Lord went down to the gate. So, like, like I read that a second ago, reading it again, because I want to emphasize, um, when we stand around and recollect what God has done for us, that's powerful, right? When we sing about what God has done for us, that's powerful. When we, we um, recognize and repeat. How many of y'all have, like, a story about how God brought you out of the place you were into, like, life in Christ? It's just me, like two of us. <laughs> how many of y'all tell that story, and it's kind of an awesome thing, and you're like, man, God did great things for me. Um, that's what this is. Um, it's actually part of the reason that we sing like as a part of worship because we bring out like this is what God has done for us. This is what God has promised to do for us. Um, and we celebrate it. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, sing a song. This is the chorus, right? Arise, Barak, and take away your captives, O son of Abinoam. So like the chorus, hey, you know, get up, Deborah. Get up, Barak. Go out and fight and recover our stuff. Um, the survivors came down to the nobles. The people of the Lord came down to me as warriors. From Ephraim, 
those whose roots is in Amalek, Amalek, sorry, my Hebrew's terrible, uh, came down following you, Benjamin, with your peoples. From Machir, commanders came down, and from Zebulun, those who wield the staff of office. The princes of Issachar were with Deborah, as was Issachar, so was Barak. Into the valleys they rushed at his heels amongst the divisions of Reuben. There were great resolves of heart. So there's this list. These are the guys who came out and fought, right? Um, We kind of do this on Memorial Day. We recognize the people who go out and fight on our behalf, right, or fought on our behalf and died. We do it on Veterans Day, and we recognize these are the people who went out. I'm like, this is a remembrance. Hey, these are the guys who went out and fought. These families, these tribes, they have this great history of battle, and they went out and fought bravely. Um, why did you sit amongst the sheepfolds to hear the piping for their, hear the piping for their flocks? Among the divisions of Reuben, there were great searching of heart. Gilead remained across the Jordan. Why did Dan stay in ships? Asher sat at the seashore and remained by its landing. Zebulun was a people who despised their lives even to death, and Naphtali also on the high places of the fields. So now we have this list of people who did really well, and now we have a list of people who didn't. <laughs> like the Jewish people who are important, like let's mention these are the guys who didn't fight. <laughs> these are the guys who hung out with their flocks and listened to like like the guys playing music to their animals, and these are the guys who hung out on the seashores. These are the guys, by the way, there's a common thing around this, like the nations in the middle of the country fought. The nations on the outside of the country weren't being oppressed, so they didn't show up. <laughs> and it kind of makes sense. Why would I go fight for you guys when I got it fine over here? Right? And so there's all these guys. And the song, like, it dumps on these guys who don't fight, who are unwilling to come out and defend. Um, the kings came and fought, and then fought the kings of Canaan and Tanakh near the waters of Megiddo. They took no plunder in silver. The stars fought from heaven. Why is that a significant thing, by the way? Because that's where the rain comes from, according to the pagans, right? And the pagans believing that the rain would, would, you know, comes from the stars and that God's in command of the stars. And actually what he's telling us is that the battle starts up and it starts raining. And these chariots that the enemy have, has, they all get stuck in the mud. And that's how God, like, like sets up the enemy for defeat. He, like, routes them with the weather, um, because God can do that. That's part of how God is awesome. Um, the, from their courses, they fought against Caesarea. The torrents of Kishon swept them away. So there's flash flooding. The ancient torrent, the torrents of Kishon. Oh, my soul, march on with strength. Then the horses, hoofs beat, and the dashing, the dashing of his valiant steeds. Curse Morez. By the way, Morez is a tribe. We're not exactly sure who they are. They were a group of Israelites, not a major tribe, but a subsection. But all this great stuff that went really well, and in the middle of the battle, curse Morez, said the angel of the Lord, utterly curses inhabitants, because they did not come to help out, to the help of the Lord and the help of the Lord against the warriors. So, like, they stop again. These guys from Morez, we hate them. They didn't fight. <laughs> Most blessed is the woman Jael. By the way, there's some irony here. What do we know about Jael? Like, she broke every rule in the social book. She took a role that wasn't hers. She killed a guest. She, like, all of these things that she did wrong. Um, but they still, 
You know, they still praise her. Most blessed woman, Jael, um, the wife of Heber the Kenite. The most blessed is she of women in the tent. She asked for water, or he asked for water, and she gave him milk. In a magnificent bowl, she brought him curds. She reached out her hand for the tent peg and her right hand for the workman's hammer and then struck Cesera. She smashed his head. This would be a really great set to music. Uh, and she shattered and pierced his temple. Between her feet he bowed, he fell and lay. Between her feet he bowed, he fell. Where he, bow, where he bowed, there he fell dead. So there's a couple of things, like they sing about her murdering him in his sleep. Very singing thing. But they're really happy about it because they were terrified of this guy, right? And this woman comes out and executes this horrible enemy leader, this, like, oppressor. And then, like, the lines here, between her feet, he bowed, he fell, he lay. Like, this is all indications of his subservience under her. And for a man to be subservient or, like, beneath a woman in the ancient world, humiliating, right? So not only are they singing about how awesome they are, they're singing about how humiliated the enemy king was. And it's this this rousing political song, right, about how great our God is and how our God crushed the enemy. Um, out, of, out of the window she looked and lamented, the mother of Caesarea through the lattice. Why does his chariot delay in coming? Why do the hoofbeats of his chariots tarry? Now the Jewish people are not nice, at this point, they stop at the end of their song to say, you know, like Deborah was the mother of Israel. In contrast, the mother of our enemy, right, Cesare, the enemy general, she's at home waiting for him to return from battle. And they're sort of glorying the fact that his mom's sad. <laughs> These are guys who are ticked off, right? They got nothing. I mean, this is just a mean line. Um, you know, his mom's at home worrying, but he's dead. Um, her wise princesses would answer her. Indeed, she repeats her words to herself. They are not find. They are not. Excuse me. Are they not finding? Are they not dividing the spoil? A maidens, two maidens for every warrior. To Caesarea, a spoil of dyed work. A spoil of dyed work embroidered. Dyed work, double embroidery on the neck of the spoiler. So, like they, the princesses around her, like her handmaidens, say, oh. No, he's not coming back, not because he's dead, but because he's so busy with all the women slaves that he got from winning the battle, and he's so busy from getting the most expensive plunder, that dyed fabric with embroidery. Like, all the way through the ancient world, these things were considered to be like a great thing to get in battle. If you won these things, that was awesome. Um, and so, like, they're saying, no, he's just got lots of women around him, and he's rich all of a sudden, and that's why he's not coming home. And in reality, he's just dead. Like he got pinned to the floor with a with a tent stake, um, and and they're sort of like now they're what's that the German word Schadenfreude? <laughs> what, how does it translate? That's um, yes, <laughs> they're they're so despising of, of the Cesare guy that they're like yeah, and his mom's sad too, you know? <laughs> and you know it's not a great example, but they're they're celebrating their victory. They're celebrating the fact that they're no longer under oppression. They're celebrating the fact that they can travel from place to place without Cesare's goons like robbing them. Um, it's this great victory for them. Thus, let your enemies perish, O Lord, but let those who love him be like the rising sun in its might. And the land was undisturbed for 40 years. And so the song ends with, and this is all because God did this for us. Anybody who's an enemy of God, take note, right? Pay attention. God won this victory on our behalf. Now, what do we do with this? 
I am not advocating, um, and I don't think, like, in a modern context, I don't think the right way to apply this. It's not like we should stand around and sing about how, like, the enemies of the United States have been crushed under our feet, right? I actually don't think that's the direction the world has gone in. Like, like in the ancient world, physical oppression was a huge deal. In the modern world, like, under Christ, we understand that our battles aren't against the world, Right? And we might be able to list off every politician we hate and every foreign nation that probably gets should be turned into a parking lot and every, you know, all of these guys. But, like, at the end of the day, what really matters deep down is us in relation to Christ, right? Is our salvation in Christ. Like, we don't fight spiritual battles the way that they fought physical battles. Jesus won our battles for us. Jesus resisted temptation where we fail. He overcame like sin where we don't. He stood before God perfect and allowed himself to be sacrificed for us. And he won this great battle, actually the greatest battle in all of history and all of like, like creation. He won it against death and against sin. Um, and because Jesus has won that battle, um, we live different, made new, made brand new. Um, when we sing, we sing songs like Amazing Grace, um, right? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Like it is a song literally about how terrible the man who wrote it, who was a slave trader at the time that he wrote it, how, how thankful and how glorious it was that God sent his son to die for such a horrible man. Um, and I can tell you, honestly, there are songs I sing sometimes because I'm so grateful that Jesus would die for me. Um, and when we gather and we worship, we worship because God loves us that much. Loves us beyond what we could possibly expect. And because of that, we have hope um, where there used to be hopelessness. Um, we know that God is merciful over every broken situation. Every rotten, messed up thing in our lives, we know that God is in control. We know that Jesus died to redeem it. And as bad as it may seem, victory is assured in Christ. Um, these guys looked at Caesarea and they said, man, he's a big bully. He's so awesome that he can catch fish with his beard. Like <laughs> He is such a big, mean man, we can't fight him. Oh, but this woman fought him for us. In reality, Jesus fought our worst battles for us. Um, you know, the things I struggle with the most, I'm forgiven before I even fail at them now because Jesus died for me. Um, and I have hope in the future. Um, in theme here, I'm going to have Brooke do one more song, and we're going to close with, like, I guess he'll lead us in prayer at the end. Is that all right? Um, this is one you all should know. Um, I am a huge fan of the idea of things that we remember, things that commemorate, things that bring out huge, like, great chunks of our history. Um, and this congregation has been here for I don't even know how many years. Anybody know how long we've been here? I would say upward to a century. Is that about right? Um, and there are folks in this room who aren't a century old. Craig's not here, so I can say that. Um, <laughs> um, but some of you all know this. And as we walk out today, like remember, um, we walk out of here in victory because Jesus died for us. shall go out with joy and be led 